I want to talk to you all about the Father of Lights. I was uh, working today and completely focused on that, and and um, that's the nature of my job right now, which I guess it's okay when you work that it takes your attention. I was uh, sort of fortunate for a few years. I, I only worked with half my brain, and I did something else more important with the other half of it while I was... <laughs> while I was working, and I can't do that anymore. So near the end of work today, the Lord put on my heart just thinking about light and the Father of lights and who He is, what that means for us. And uh, I have some scriptures on that, maybe some some words that I pray will be helpful. I want to ask you a question to begin with. Uh, when, what day in creation, you remember Genesis, what day did God create the sun. Y'all remember offhand? The sun. When did he put the sun, stars, and moon, the division of light in the heavens? I think it was day four. What's very interesting, the evening and the morning were the fourth day, and yet, at the very beginning of creation, we read this in Genesis 1, the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void or empty. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from darkness. God is the self-existent one. And we're told in the New Testament... In a lot of different places, uh, James tells us, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, 15 and 16, it talks about Jesus being the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor, power everlasting. Amen. A couple translations of that verse I read from James 1, or one verse 17 I quoted from King James, but a couple other translations say this, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. We're taught in Scripture not to be carried about by every wind of doctrine, these shadowy, cunning fables of religion. And Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit is how we understand the Father and the Son is more stable than anything in our universe, anything in our economy, anything in our psyche, Collectively or individually, if there is such a thing as collective psyche. <laughs> He's not like shifting shadows. He's stable. Another way that James 1.17 is translated, whatever is good and perfect. I, I like the translation, every good gift and every perfect gift, but this one captures, it's not just the idea of gifts. It's anything good, anything complete comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. 
And another way that's translated, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variation or shadow due to change. The Lord is the Lord. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no changing in His nature. Even when He, in Scripture, through His prophets, says things like, it repented me, it says they repented the Lord, that He made man, and He wanted to destroy everybody, that wasn't a change in His nature. It was a change in our nature. We were created in perfection, goodness, and light that nobody could approach unto. And we followed the way of Cain and destruction and sin, and it hurt God's heart. If you could say He has a heart. That's a word we use in English to capture the idea of emotion. God does have emotion. He does have concern. He does have compassion. There's no variation in His nature or any shadow due to change because there is no changing in Him. This idea of light, every gift, every good thing that we get comes from the Father of light or the Father of lights. It's the Greek word phos. We get words like phosphate or phosphorus from it. Uh, if you think of magnesium burning, there's, I don't know the chemical composition, but that's a, a hot light, so bright. The definition that Strong's has on this Greek word phos, light, it can mean to shine or to make manifest, especially by rays. Those of you who watched the eclipse, you may remember that day that the moon came in front of the sun, the rays that the sun put out started changing. The perspective started changing. And it wasn't just like, um, everybody said, did it seem like sunset? I didn't think it seemed like sunset at all. It seemed like there was less light in the world. And sunset's not like that. Sunset is like, the sun's over there. <laughs> the sun's still bright at sunset. This wasn't like that. And the rays of the sun change. And it's interesting that the light, this light, the Greek word here, is made manifest especially by rays, talking about the sun, but also metaphorically about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There are rays, dimensions, aspects of His nature that shine out to different people at different times to understand the collective whole of who He is as God. And we got a glimpse of the sun in that way that we never had, or at least I haven't in my life. Some people got pictures of the sun with these... Um, what do they even call them? It looked like volcanoes spewing. I forgot what they're called. But it was fascinating. You can't see that when the sun is unobscured. You can't see the dimensions and the rays. And Jesus in his character shows us rays of his love. It, this word can also mean luminescence. Um, in the widest application, it can mean natural or artificial light. It could be concrete or abstract, literal or figurative. Fire can be a, an example of it. John tells us this in his first letter, and I'm going to flip over there and read a little bit of that. John chapter 1, 1 John, the letter of John chapter 1. I'll just read from the beginning. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. What's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is that which was from the beginning, and he is identifying different senses 
different rays, different aspects of our human understanding that grasp who He is. We have heard with our ear and also with our heart. We've seen with our eyes. We've looked upon. What's the difference in seeing with your eyes and looking upon? (laughs) On days that there isn't a total eclipse, you can see with your eyes the sun, but you can't look upon it. There's There's a difference in those ideas. And not only that, but there are things we see and we don't dwell on, we don't comprehend. And not only do people see the glory of God, but the people who knew Him had an opportunity to look on Him and behold Him. He says, and our hands have handled. The disciples actually touched. And not just the disciples, but other people. They touched Jesus. Remember Thomas, after Jesus was crucified and resurrected, He said, I won't believe it unless I can put my hand on your body. And the Lord confirmed in that moment who he was of the word of life. For the life was manifest and we've seen it, we bear witness, and we show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. John is saying that we are manifesting the light to you. We're preaching about light in a way that is actually showing you Through rays, these uh, reflecting aspects of God, that's our job as God's people, particularly as ministers, but all of God's people, our job is to manifest, to shine the glory of God to people. That which we've seen and heard, we declare unto you that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we've heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. In the very beginning, God said, let there be light. Was that actually simply a statement in the language of man to assert the existence of God in that moment? What, what would, would he create light in that moment? Or he was just saying, here I am. Did he create himself? <laughs> He's always been. And we can't understand these things that I'm... We ask these questions because we can't understand the depth of it. But in the beginning, God said, let there be light. And he didn't make a division. He didn't make the sun, the moon, the stars until several days later. And we need to be reminded that the light of the universe doesn't come from the sun in our solar system. That's why James calls him the father of heavenly lights. All that stuff we see up in the sky that if scientists are right is millions of light years away and is so huge. And I don't understand any of that. Supposedly the Milky Way galaxy and all the stars and millions and millions of these... God put all of that there. And whether these heavenly celestial balls that we see in the atmosphere are actually self-luminescent or whether they're just reflecting the pre-existent light that has been since the beginning, I don't know. Maybe they just channel the rays of the light of God. What happens when all of that is gone? There'll still be light. There was light in the very beginning and there'll be light in the very end. You read in Revelation, there's a few verses that talk about it, but the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon to shine 
And also there shall be no night there, and they shall need no candle. Why? Because the Son of God is the light in that place. Not only is God the Father the light, we see here in John that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Some of you who study language will like this. This is a place where a Greek double negative is used to emphasize. If you look at the Greek text that, if my memory's correct from last time I studied it, it, it says, God is light and in Him is not no darkness. There's none. There's no shadow, no hint of darkness at all in God. All of us have, we're consumed with shadows. <laughs> we have shadows all around us. We have grayness. We have confusion. We have, but there's this perfect light inside of us that we can let shine. He alone is immortal and dwells in unapproachable light. Why? When Moses went up into the glory of God and he was communing with the Father through the Spirit, and maybe God the Father was there as well, but he didn't see him face to face, he couldn't. And yet the glory of that, he came down and he was glowing with heavenly luminescence to where the people couldn't look at him, he had to put a cloth over his head just so he could speak to the people. He had so much of God's glory upon him. Interesting side note, Moses kept putting the cloth over his head after the visible light of the glory of God faded. This is not what's on my heart tonight, but don't pretend to feel spiritual when you don't. That's why we can be in a service and recognize somebody putting on a display that lifts up themselves that looks exactly the same as a person praising God, except it feels different. There's a difference in the light of the glory of Jesus Christ being manifested to draw attention to Him. There's a difference in that and a difference in when we do the same charade and it draws attention to ourselves. I love this verse from Psalms. 139 verse 12. Even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Why? We can't say that. Try to walk around on a truly, truly dark night where there's no moon. The moon's in the zero phase. There's clouds over the stars. You're not around street lights. You're not around city lights. And you, I don't know if you've tried that lately, but you, you, you open your eyes big and you strain and your pupils dilate to gather in whatever tiny element of light there is and you can see nothing. And the psalmist says to God, darkness is just like daylight to you. Why? Because God is self-luminescent. He himself lights himself and lights the whole universe. Now, not only is God light... But Jesus Christ said of himself that he was the light. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. He, he taught that on multiple occasions. He lived that with his life. And that's one of the reasons that the um, religious extremists wanted to kill him. He said he was equal with God. That's what they thought. And yet Jesus in his life lived in humble submission to his Father. And he said, I and my Father are one. Listen to what he said about light concerning himself. John eight twelve. Jesus spoke unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. 
He taught, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But he also taught his people, there's a time coming when I'm going to leave the world. I'm going to send a comforter unto you, and he will speak of the Father. He won't speak of himself, and he will guide you into all truth. And then Jesus told his people, after he explained all of that, after he said, yet a little while and the light is with you, he taught us, Matthew chapter 5 records it, you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill can't be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put a basket over it. But they set it upon a candlestick that may give light to the whole house. What a beautiful picture. Amidst all the darkness in our world, that God himself is light, that Jesus is light, that through the Holy Spirit they impart light to us. I'm talking about the light that lights our path, our way. In the Psalms it says, Thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. And the, the image there is the shepherd carrying a lantern along a, a footpath on the edge of a cliff. And without that light, he's in total darkness, he's going to slide off and die. Amen. Our path, our navigation through this spiritually dangerous life is directed by the light of of the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit in our hearts. He's the one who gives light to every man. And then this idea that Jesus said, I'm going to be leaving and you will be the light of the world. Now there's a danger theologically. We could take upon ourselves and say, I have this big important job to do. I have to go be light now. Brothers and sisters, let, let me help you take a burden off yourself if you think that. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And in the end, after the sun, the moon, and the stars are gone, God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth, and Jesus Christ is going to be the light. There won't need to be a sun, stars, moon, nothing. You can't self-manifest light. You don't have light of yourself. You're made out of dirt. There's no light in soil. And yet, God, through His Spirit, puts this energy, spiritual energy and light, inside of us that people can actually identify as different. How many times have you had somebody tell you, and they may use different words, but it's something like this, you're different. If you're saved and you've never heard that, you don't talk to enough people. Because it doesn't take long until somebody is around you and they're really searching and they've been going to church after church and they're around all these religious people. And these days, my generation is always trying to create community. That's what they call it. They're trying to make a family-type relationship which God's people have inherently out of something that's not there. And then when they get around the real thing... They, they can't help but say, you're different. And they might not understand why. Have you noticed too, sometimes people are, they're, just, they're, they're people that hurting people are attracted to. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've seen it. I've, I've seen, I'll use my mother as an example. I've been in the grocery store with her when I was younger and complete strangers come up and start telling her all these secrets. They're abused, they're on drugs, they're recovering alcoholic, whatever. Because there's some type of light being emitted 
Not manufactured. There's a difference. And many of you others have, have experienced that too. A couple more psalms that I just have to mention. The Lord is my light and my salvation. You're not your own light. And when you have um, spiritual restlessness, malcontent, you feel spiritually uh, tossed around, it's when you're trying to be your own light. You're trying to do it on your own and you can't. He says, the Lord's my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And he also says, I love this as well. Psalm 36 verse 9, speaking to God. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light shall we see light. You know when you see light in the world, in all the darkness, and all the danger, and all the... I mean, so many bad things happen these days. And it always has been that way. In your light shall we see light. You want to see the good in the world? Look through the filter of the Spirit of God. Not the filter of mainstream media or the news, or they sell bad news. That's what sells. But God gives you a perspective and an understanding. He lets you see light in the midst of darkness. And I, I was on the way to work the other day and took a picture of the sunrise, and I just sat there and looked at it. And I thought, it was from Irma, Hurricane Irma got up here and there's all these clouds and it had been raining for two days straight and we didn't have a lot of damage here, thankfully. You know, sunrises are never glorious in a cloudless sky. There's nothing to see the sun on. It's just suddenly there's a ball of light there. It's when there's a storm and there's clouds that you see the beautiful sunrise and the clouds and the darkness and the shadows and all the dangers actually draw attention to the sun and you see the rays of light being manifested to show that the sun is there before you even see the ball of sun. And then I'm driving, that's in my background, I'm watching it in my rearview mirror and there's a double rainbow all the way from the ground, the whole sky, all the way to the ground on the other side. And I had this image, thought, overwhelm me of the promise of God. Here comes this destruction and people were panicking over Hurricane Irma more than I remember them panicking over any natural event in a long time. And if it had made landfall like they were predicting, most of Florida would be destroyed. Parts of Georgia, parts of South Carolina. I mean, that's what the scientists were predicting. That's what was expected. And I thought of Behind me, driving in to me, in my mind, this is what I felt, was this image of destruction that was withheld by God's mercy yes. and the promise, not just a rainbow, but a double rainbow taking up the whole sky. Yes. None of that would have been visible without the water vapor and the clouds in the air. And so the promises of God, the light of God is manifested in this world, in the darkness, in the trials, in the trouble, in the temptations. Jesus tells us when he said, you're the light of the world, a city that's set on the hill cannot be hid. And men don't light a candle and put it under a basket or a, a, a bowl, but on a candlestick. The point of that, it's like that candelabra that is up in the air and it lights everything up in the room. It gives light unto all that are in the house. And he says this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father 
which is in heaven. When he says, let your light shine, he's saying, let the light that I've put inside of you when I redeemed you, when I saved you, let that light shine. He's not saying you have light on your own. He's saying, let the Holy Spirit of God, the love of God shine. Why? That men may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. There's another dangerous theological misunderstanding there. People think they have to be good to draw people to God. No, you have to be focused on God to draw people to God. Just like Moses coming down once again from the mountain, glowing with the glory of God, he wasn't focused on his own righteousness. He didn't come down talking about himself. He was so consumed with the image of the presence of God that he didn't even know he was shining like that. And in our lives, when we're brightest, when we're most useful to God, it's when we're thinking the least of our own righteousness and our own sin. Because we've left all that behind us, we're pressing toward the mark, like Paul says. Not as though I'd already attained or were already perfect, but I press toward the mark that I might apprehend the one who has apprehended me. So this brief effort tonight, I'll just conclude by reminding us who know the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? And David went on and said, Though my enemies encamped against me, they stumbled and fell. The war should rise against me, and this will I be confident. God can protect us from whatever we face, even the darkness of our own minds and bodies and spirits. He, he can help. He can help. So if you know the Lord, just relax in Him. Let His light shine. If you don't know the Lord yet, you have an opportunity to experience light in your life and through His light see light in the world. You tired of the world being so black, dark, bad, evil, overwhelming? Look to the light of God and you'll see the good in the world. How do you do that? You, you repent. What does repent mean? It means recognizing that you can't make your life on your own what you want it to be and turning towards someone who's greater than you and begging Him to have mercy. And recognize, understanding on a deep level, and you can't recognize this intellectually, the Spirit of God has to show you that you're not enough. And when you do, then you'll get light. You'll see light. You'll experience light. Every good gift, every perfect gift, comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, with whom is not even a hint of darkness, who doesn't change like shifting shadows. God is light and in Him is not no darkness. <laughs> in Him is no darkness whatsoever. Remember that. Whatever we face, remember that. God is light. You look to Him and your path will be lighted. Your life will be lighted and you'll have 